0: Well, it's uh, it really is great to be Quarren streaming into your living room this morning. And I just love the fact that not even a pandemic can keep us from lifting up the name of Jesus together. So I'm so glad that we get to spend this time together. I want to start this morning just by sharing a story about something that happened to me several years ago on Easter Friday. I know that Easter Friday is coming up this week And so anytime Easter Friday comes up, I always think of this story. The church I was uh, working at in Austin, Texas several years ago was doing a joint Good Friday service with several other churches in town. So all these churches converged on the convention center in downtown Austin. So my wife, my son, Noah, who was two years old at the time, we made our way to the downtown convention center in Austin. And we decided to uh, enjoy the service from the lobby just because our son was two and he would be vocal at times that probably wasn't best to be vocal. So we found ourselves sitting in the lobby watching this service going on. And we were really the only people out there. I mean, we just had complete freedom in this lobby. And my wife and I were sitting and watching the TV screens. And I will never forget this guy walked in and he was wearing a hat that said, I heart Jesus and he was about to pass right by us and when he got even with us he stopped he looked at me and here's what he said he said hey do you love Jesus and I was like man if only I'd worn my hat today then he wouldn't have even had to ask but I did tell him I said yeah I do in fact love Jesus and unfortunately that was like the climax of our conversation and it was all downhill from there because he went on And here's what he said. He said, uh, you know what? I wish that they would let me lead this Good Friday service because all the people in there are just false prophets. And I was like, that's interesting. My pastor is one of the pastors that's leading in here. I should probably ask him if he's a false prophet. And then he went on and he said, you know what? The reason that Jesus Christ came to earth was to show us how we can live perfect life so that we can go to heaven And uh, I didn't agree with him because I know myself and I know that I'm very imperfect, but I still believe that I will spend eternity with God in heaven, not because I'm perfect, but because I know the only one who's ever been perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, I made the unfortunate decision of letting this guy know that I didn't agree with him. And so it started this back and forth exchange where this guy was like, well, what do you think about this? And I was like, well, what do you think about this? And my wife was like, what are you doing? And I was like, he's wrong. And so we're just going back and forth and I can tell that this guy isn't liking my answers and he's getting more and more intense and more and more animated and more and more amped. And I will never forget this moment where his passion and I think his frustration reached its boiling point because he looked at me, he pointed his finger and here's what he said. He said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, what do you do with that? Like, I'm a pastor. That's supposed to be my line. What am I going to say? No, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Like, who wins the rebuking? And the conversation just got more awkward. He was like, you are not a child of God unless you're prepared to say the seven words. Are you prepared to say the seven words? And I was like, I am not prepared to say the seven words because I don't know what the seven words are. And then the conversation kind of winded down and he went into the Good Friday service. And I just told my wife, I was like, let's leave. I can't even focus now because of that interaction. And so the The evening ended with my wife, son, and I like running through the parking garage and getting in our sweet white Buick minivan and speeding off because we saw this guy walking towards the parking garage. We thought he was coming to kill us. All in all, it was a pretty good Friday, but it was definitely not what I expected. Now, let me tell you why I share that with you. This morning, I share that just because as I think back on that experience, here's the realization that I came to. That guy believed that he was following Jesus, but I also believed that I was following Jesus. But if you look at what he says it looks like to follow Jesus, and you were to look at what I say it looked like to follow Jesus, it would appear as if we are following two totally different Jesuses. And when I just think about all of the people that are watching this stream right now with us this morning, here's the reality. There are, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people right now who are watching this that would say that they are following Jesus. But if we had some way of kind of putting our lives side by side by side, If someone from, if an unbeliever just from the outside were to look in on our lives side by side by side, I wonder if they would say it looks like they're following totally different Jesuses. See, I think a good question for anyone to ask is this. Like if you were to take your life and somehow lay it over the scriptures does what Jesus say it looks like to follow him and what you say it looked like to follow him, do those things match or is there a stark contrast between your life and Jesus's call on your life to follow him? Let me tell you what I wanna do this morning. Just knowing that a good Friday is coming and just knowing that Easter is coming, what I wanna do is I wanna kind of look at the enemy of Easter. I want to look at Judas Iscariot. And and I know that's probably what you weren't expecting this morning. Like, when's the last time you heard someone give a sermon on Judas? Like, when's the last time someone was like, you know what? I've just been kind of meditating on the life of Judas in my time with the Lord. And it's just been a breath of fresh air to my soul. He gets me. No, that's not really what happens. But the reason I want to look at Judas's life is because Judas's life shows us one very important thing. And here it is. Being around Jesus or things of Jesus does not mean that you're following Jesus. And right now, this is a convicting question. But if you're following anyone, what if you look more like a follower of Judas than a follower of Jesus. And so what I want to do, especially during this unique season of life, is I just want to give you three clarifying questions from the life of Judas to ask yourself just to really recenter your life on following Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn with me this morning to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 is where we're going to be today. And let me just tell you this the names Judas and Jesus sound very, very Similar, it's easy for me to mix them up. So if at any point today I give you an invitation to invite Judas into your heart, uh, don't do it. I I don't know what would happen, but let's just not go there. Okay, uh, Matthew 26, verse 14, and it starts out this way. It says this, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me? If I deliver him over to you. Starts out and says, then Judas, one of the 12. That right there reminds us of a massive reality. It reminds us that Judas was handpicked by Jesus. It reminds us that Judas had the opportunity to spend every minute of every day with Jesus for three years straight. Which means that Judas had front row seats to all of Jesus's messages and all of his miracles. And yet, what does the text go on to say? It says that Judas sought out an opportunity to betray him. Now, how does that even happen? How does one of the 12 go to seek out an opportunity to betray Jesus? Well, let me just tell you why I believe that that was possible. I believe it was possible because Judas had been around Jesus without grasping who Jesus truly was. And I wonder if that's your story this morning. Maybe if you were honest, maybe you've been around Jesus or the things of Jesus, but you've never truly grasped who he is. Let me put it a different way. I believe that Judas had intellectual knowledge of who Jesus was and what he could do, but he had no experiential knowledge of who Jesus was and what he could do. Like he had the intellectual knowledge that Jesus was in the business of supernaturally satisfying hunger. Judas was one of the guys carrying baskets of bread and fish when Jesus fed the 5,000. And yet Judas had never allowed Jesus to satisfy the hungers of his soul. Judas had the intellectual knowledge that Jesus was in the business of healing that which was broken. Judas saw the blind see, the deaf hear, the the lame walk, the dead be raised to life. And yet Judas never allowed Jesus to fix what was broken in his own soul. And so Judas's brokenness compounded to the point where he committed suicide. See, what we need to realize is when there's intellectual knowledge with no experiential knowledge of who Jesus is and what he can do, we might be fooling ourselves to say that we're truly following Jesus. Because here's the thing, when there's information here, but no application that leads to transformation, we might be fooling ourselves. It might be that we don't know Jesus as much as we just know about him. It's kind of like this. I mean, uh, Pastor Ken is on stage uh, most, if not all Sundays. And uh, you know what? You can hear Pastor Ken. You can listen to every message he's given. You can um, follow him on any social media platforms. You can know about his wife and his kids. And you can know everything about Pastor Ken. But today, and you can't do it because you because of the situation that we're in. But if you were to be sitting in Starbucks and Pastor Ken were to walk in the door, you might find yourself smiling and awkwardly waving at Pastor Ken. And when he walks up to you and says, hey, I'm Ken, in that moment, you're gonna snap back to reality and just remember, hey, I didn't know Ken. I just knew about Ken. And when Ken says, hey, I'm Ken, something in you might say, you don't know me, but I know you. And that would not be true because you don't really know him. You just know about him. And so it's good for us to just ask the question, do you have intellectual knowledge of Jesus, of who he is and what he can do, but are you lacking experiential knowledge? That's the first clarifying question. Does your intellectual knowledge have any experiential knowledge? And what I'm not trying to do is I'm not trying to make you wonder if you're really saved or not, but I do just want to ask a clarifying question to some of you this morning. Do you know Jesus or you do you just know about Jesus? Here's a really helpful clarifying question. When it comes to Jesus, which word best associates for you, religion or relationship? Now, for the followers of Jesus Christ that are watching right now, you might be saying, look, I know Jesus. Okay, well, let's just be honest. I can can still identify with Judas far more than I'd like to admit. Like I have the intellectual knowledge at times that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yet there have been moments in the midst of the coronavirus where I've been paralyzed with stress, worry, and anxiety. Like I have the intellectual knowledge that Jesus is the bread of life, that he supernaturally satisfies the hungers of our soul. Yet I still sometimes look to social media or to other people to satisfy a hunger for significance and value and worth in this world. Can you identify with that at all? Maybe this morning you have the intellectual knowledge that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And yet in this time, you've honestly been paralyzed by fear. Maybe you have the intellectual knowledge that Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. And yet you're stockpiling like he doesn't hold it all together. Maybe you have the intellectual knowledge that Jesus is the great physician. He's in the business of healing that which is broken. And yet you continue to allow the brokenness of of pornography or certain addictions to Uh, continue on in your life. And you might tell yourself, you know what? It's just not that big of a deal, especially during this time where I can't leave the house and there's nothing else to do. But it is a big deal because Jesus Christ is the great physician and he wants wholeness for you instead of brokenness. See, let me tell you what it's like when, when we as Christians have intellectual knowledge without the experiential knowledge. Like right here, I just have a phone charger with me and I have my cell phone. Here's the thing. When we have intellectual knowledge without the experiential knowledge, we're like a guy walking around with a dead cell phone holding a phone charger. Like how weird would that be if I was like, hey, if you've been trying to call me, you hey, battery's dead. Hey, did you text me? Because if you texted me, hey, battery's dead. Wouldn't you be like, find an outlet? Like there's one over there, like I can see one, like just plug your phone in. Like you are holding what you need to be, you have access to power. And the same is true for us when we know Jesus Christ in a real way. We have access to everything we need for life and godliness. And so when we have intellectual knowledge without the experiential knowledge, all we're missing out on is life. So the first clarifying question for you is simply this. Does your intellectual knowledge have any experiential knowledge? If not, hey, let's follow Jesus. Let's not follow Judas. The second second clarifying question that I want to encourage you to ask yourself this morning is simply this. Who or what do you need right now more than you need Jesus? Who or what do you need more than Jesus? Look back at the text. I want to read you the same thing that I read you. But it says this, verse 14 of Matthew 26. It says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now, here's what I want to point out to you. I want you to see this. Like um, Judas was the one who initiated with the chief priest. Like the chief priest didn't come to Judas and say, hey, Judas, hypothetically speaking, like we know you've been hanging out with Jesus, like, how do you feel about betrayal? Totally hypothetical. No, he went to them. And what was his question? What will you give me? It was a question about money. Now, keep that idea in mind. And let me read you something that happened within a week of Jesus going to the chief priest to betray him. John chapter 12. Jesus is in a home. A, A woman breaks open a very expensive bottle of ointment and anoints Jesus. And the author, John, gives us insight into Judas. Here's what it says in John 12, verse 4. It says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Okay, put the two passages together. Judas goes to the chief priest. What's the question? What will you give me? Put a price tag on it. How much money can I get for Jesus's life? John chapter 12, ointment, broken open. And what does Judas say? Why was this wasted? Why wasn't this sold? And the author tells us why Judas said that. It's not because he cared about the poor. It's because he was a thief and he used to pilfer from Jesus' bank account. Put the two together. What do we see? We see that Judas was obsessed with money. Like money was Judas's God. And when he went to the chief priest, all Judas was declaring is which God he believed he needed most. He needed the God of money more than he needed the God of of the universe. And because Judas is the antagonist and Jesus is the protagonist, it's easy for us to look at Judas and be like, you know, what a moron. How could you do that to Jesus Christ, the God of the universe? Well, it, it's important for us to realize that we have a tendency to declare that we need someone or something more than we need Jesus all the time. Like, just ask yourself right now, like um, what do you get lost in thought about? Like what consumes your thoughts right now? What stirs you, stirs you up with stress and anxiety? Like what stirs the affections of your heart? What do you talk about most? If something comes to mind, that person or that thing just might be your God right now. Let me uh, do something that I most certainly will regret. Um, this bag right here is full of mementos from a dating relationship I was in my freshman year of college. And just to be clear, this is not stuff from my wife, Catherine, but I still have this stuff. And I just want to show you some of the things that I have from her. First, there's this there's this uh, beanie baby. She sprayed it with her perfume so, you know, I could... Anyway, okay, you get the point. Okay, this right here, this is uh, for you young people, i need to explain it, but this is called a mouse pad. We used to need these for our computer mice, and it had a collage of her pictures on it, so I could always uh, see her. This right here, this is a pillow that has a picture of the two of us ironed onto it. Now, I need to make a clarifying statement real quick. Like, my wife, Catherine... She she knows that I have right this stuff right now. Like, I'm not at home in the corner like, my precious. Like, it's not like that at all. Okay. Uh, this right here, this is uh, for you young people, I need to explain, but this is called a CD. Okay, this is how we used to listen to music. This CD is titled For My Perfect Boyfriend. That's this guy. And then... Uh, This right here, this will make you throw up in your mouth just right there in your living room. But this is this is a printout of every email and message conversation that we had during our dating relationship. Don't you judge me like I can feel it through the camera. Don't you judge me. Okay, let me ask you a question. How long do you think we dated? Okay, you can just take guesses right there with the people that you're sitting with, if you're sitting with anyone. We dated for two months. Two months. Okay, yeah, don't judge me. Therapy's been very helpful. But here's what I want you to think about. Okay, don't miss this. This is so important. For those two months, that girl got all of my time, all of my attention, and all of my affection. I look back and I can tell you with complete certainty she was without a doubt for those two months my God. And I was a follower of Jesus Christ at the time, but for those two months she got all of my time, all of my attention, and all of my affection. Now you can look at that stuff and you can judge me and I don't blame you at all, but I just need to ask you, you know, what's in your back? Because... You might not have all of this stuff that I have. And here's the reality. My bags have just gotten more mature and more sophisticated the older that I've gotten. But what's in your bag? Who or what are you declaring that you need more than you need Jesus right now? For some of you, it might be romantic love. You might be sitting there and the fact that you are now isolated. It is just one more reminder that you don't have somebody. Maybe for you it is money, and I want to be sensitive. I know that this is a stressful, uncertain time financially, but the reality is you can't sleep at night because your hope hangs on your your balance. What is it for you? It might be success. It might be stuff. It might be the idea of if we can make it through this coronavirus, it's the idea of a bigger house or a better house or a better spouse or more well-behaved kids. What is it for you? Who or what do you believe that you need more than you need Jesus right now? Just fill in this blank. If only I had what, then I would be happy. It's possible that that person or thing just might be your God. Now, I just want you to think, how did Judas's life end? It it ended with suicide. So here's what that tells us. It tells us that what Judas thought he needed wasn't what he actually needed. And so I'll just be honest, like part of me wonders if Judas betrayed Jesus and he got that 30 pieces of silver, and, and we don't know if this happened because we can't read about it in the Bible, but part of me just pictures Judas holding that 30 pieces of silver in his hand. And when he thought that he f- would feel full, he actually felt empty. What if we can just learn from Judas's life? We don't have to follow Judas. We can recenter our lives on Jesus and just declare, Jesus, you are the one that I have been made for. You are the one that I need most. You, Jesus, are who I need now. You be my God. You be my king. The third question that I want to encourage you to ask yourself is simply this. Are you responding to Jesus right now as rabbi or Lord? Okay, let me read you uh, Matthew 26. Look at verses 20 through 25. This is the Last Supper. It says this, when it was evening... He, that's Jesus, reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. So just picture this. Jesus is having dinner with his closest friends, and he says, Guys, I just need you to know, one of you is going to betray me. And it sets off this chain reaction around the table where the disciples go around. They're like, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And in the Greek, that implies, It implies a negative response. It's like saying, it's not I, Lord. It's not I. They go around. Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And it gets around to Judas. And what does he say? He says, is it I, Rabbi? See, in that moment, 11 of the disciples were responding to Jesus as Lord. Judas was responding as Rabbi. Lord and Rabbi were both very significant um, titles during this time, but one was far more significant than the other. Rabbi means teacher. Lord means master. So while they were in the same room physically, they were on different planets spiritually in terms of how they were responding to Jesus. To respond to Jesus as rabbi is to respond to him as a good source of wisdom. To respond to Jesus as Lord is to respond to him as the one who is completely in charge Of your life to respond to him as Lord is to say, Jesus, you're the leader. I'm the follower. Where you're going is where I want to go. When you move, I'm going to move. Even when I can't see the outcome, I trust that your way is the best way. So a good question for you to just ask yourself right now is this in different areas of your life. And I'm not talking about salvation right now. I'm just talking about different areas of your life. Are you responding to Jesus as rabbi or Lord? When it comes to how you interact with your spouse and kids, when y'all are with each other all the time, is Jesus going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord? Like when it comes to controlling your tongue, is he going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord, when it comes to spending money that you don't have, is Jesus going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord? When it comes to lying or exaggerating or telling half-truths, about who you are, what you have, or what you've accomplished. Is Jesus going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord? When it comes to how you operate at work and whether or not you're going you're to cut corners, is Jesus going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord? When it comes to what you will or won't look at on the internet and whether you, what you will or won't um do when it comes to things like alcohol, is Jesus going to be your rabbi or is he going to be your Lord? See, a lot of times, what we want to believe is that there's options. The options are that um, we can be in charge or Jesus can be in charge. But there is no option for you to be in charge, either Jesus is in charge. Or sin will be in charge, but you being in charge is not an option. See, it's always good to remember that to take a step towards surrender to the lordship of Jesus is always a step towards freedom. Why? Because we've been made by Jesus and for Jesus. And so let me ask you, are you going to follow Judas or are you going to follow Jesus. Let me just tell you what my goal hasn't been this morning. My goal wasn't to kind of show up into your living room and just say, you're a Judas. You didn't realize it, but I just came this morning to beat you over that and tell you you're a Judas. No, I came to just say, you know what? Man, our King Jesus is a good king. King. Don't miss out on experiential knowledge. Know him in a real and intimate way during this unique season of life. Don't look to someone or something to be God that can't be God. Let Jesus rule and reign in your heart. And why just respond to Jesus as rabbi as a good source of wisdom when he has All of the wisdom in the universe, but also at the same time, all of the power, all of the creativity. And he is not just great, he is good. And he cares deeply for you. So would you respond to him as Lord and master today? My goal has simply been to be Google Maps this morning. To just say, you know what, maybe we we need to be rerouted. Maybe we just need to be put back on the right path, because it's better to follow Jesus than Judas. May we be followers of him today. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that you've come. And we celebrate, Lord Jesus, that you did come That you lived the life that we couldn't. You died the death that each of us deserved to die. And then on the third day, you walked out of that tomb victorious over Satan, sin, and death, Lord. And so we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've accomplished for us, Lord. We just confess that we need you, God. We want more experiential knowledge of you. I pray that today that we would know you more as the Prince of Peace, as the one who is before all things and in you all things hold together. Lord, I pray that you would identify the false gods in our lives, the people and the things that we elevate, Lord. And we look for satisfaction, but in the end, they leave us wanting. I pray that today you, God, would be our satisfaction. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd be our king, that you'd be our Lord, that that we would respond to you as master, that where you're leading, we would follow, Lord Jesus. We pray that we would follow you. Thank you, God, for today. And I thank you that not even a pandemic, can keep us from worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.